But we're going to continue in this uh, series, 40 Days in the Word. And over the last couple of weeks, we've done a couple of things together, haven't we? We've looked at how do we study a passage of Scripture. We spent some time thinking about some of the tools that we have at our disposal, some of the ways we approach Scripture, some of the questions of context that we need to ask. And then last week, Pastor Lauren brought an awesome message on, on the idea of partnering with the Holy Spirit as we come to God's Word, believing that all Scripture is God breathed. And for us to take what God has for us out of Scripture, we can't do that isolated from His presence. So that when we engage with God's Word, we've got to say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of this moment. I love that word and a great encouragement as, uh, as we continue in our reading. And, uh, and what I want to do today is kind of continue to speak into, into that kind of conversation as we look at the search for meaning as we, uh, as we approach and, and wrestle with Scripture. And, and what I want to do today is actually kind of do this together. We're going to spend some time in a a passage of Scripture from Philippians 2. It'll be coming up in your reading plan next week. So it's kind of like a bit of a teaser, sneak preview, so you're all excited about that particular day. Coming up uh, maybe on a Thursday. I think it's a Thursday, but anyway. And, uh, and what we're going to do, I'm going to take kind of an obscure part of this passage. And one of those kind of passages that as we're reading, you kind of read over something, you're like, oh, I don't think there was anything in that for me. I'm just going to kind of switch my brain off and wait till I get to a really cool part, like, you know, Jesus resurrecting Lazarus or, you know, one of those moments just like, boom, yeah, I see that observation. I see that application in my life. But, but we're going to take it to a place where we have to work a little bit harder to say God wants to speak something profound into our lives. But in order to get there, we're actually going to have to think about what we're reading. We're actually going to have to partner with the Holy Spirit of God to say, God, what are you speaking into my life? So are you ready for that this morning? Awesome. We're going to start by reading Philippians 2, 19 to 30. And it begins with this. And in fact, just a, a little bit of context for, for those. So Philippians is a, is a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi. So it's kind of when we think of context, it's a high context uh, part of Scripture that's specifically from one individual to, uh, to another group of people. And Paul writes to them with this encouragement. And he's going to talk about two individuals that we're going to spend some time thinking about. But uh, anyway, beginning in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So, so Timothy, he sounds like a pretty good guy. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And we'll continue in the scripture. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. And we'll keep going. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus as well. So another guy Paul wants to send back, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Sounds like another good guy, Epaphroditus. He's a good blokes in this passage of Scripture. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. All right, so here's the passage that that we're going to spend time with this morning. And and I want to take us through a pretty simple process of thinking, okay, first of all, we need to work out what we've actually read here. What am I reading? And then we're going to invite God's presence to bring a little bit of conviction and depth to what we're engaging with. So so first of all, let's ask a pretty simple question. What does it say? What have we just read? You know, so often we read the Bible and we don't ask this question, don't we? We just power through a passage and we never think, what did I actually just read? We're just like, oh yeah, I got that done. That's good. Done my reading plan. Boom. (laughs) But what did it actually say? So let's think about it. What have we just read? What did the text say? So first of all, we can say that Paul intended to send two men to the church at Philippi. Who who would agree with that? There was two guys. Who, Who can shout out the first name? Who was the first name? Timothy. And who was the other dude? Epaphrodite. You guys were all great at pronouncing that. I thought that was going to be a really hard one. I was like down at the AV at the back. I was like, how would you say this word? Straight away, it's Epaphroditus. I was like, you got this covered. Come on. Uh, I thought it was a tricky word, but maybe that was just me. Uh, and of course, we, you know, we see that in verse 19 and verse 25. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. And retrospectively with Epaphroditus, I think it's necessary to also send back to you Epaphroditus. So that's, that's kind of one of the key things that it's been said as in our reading. And then the next thing we can say, what did it say? It said that, that Paul, he endorsed them as role models who deserve honor. Doesn't he? That's kind of the feel that we get in Paul's writing. He's really saying that these guys are awesome. And because of that, I'm going to send them to you. And in verse 20, speaking of Timothy, Paul says, I have no one else like him. And then again of Epaphroditus, welcome him the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. And then Paul, throughout the passage, he then identifies what exactly sets them apart. So it says, here's two guys that I'm going to send to you. They are awesome guys. They're brilliant guys. They're capable guys. Here are some of the things that define who they are. And through some of the verses there, that they'll show genuine concern, that, that, that he's proved himself, that he's my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, that he longs for all of you, that he almost died for the work of Christ. He's going to put his life on the line for what Christ was calling him to be. So we can kind of say, okay, what did it say? Paul's going to send two guys to the church at Philippi. He's going to endorse them as role models that that are worthy of honor and and welcoming with joy. And and here is why. Here's what sets them apart. Okay, cool. So, So this is what we can say we've read together. This is what the scripture says. But now's the moment where we've got to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak into what I have read so that I could find meaning out of this text for my life? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me and say, say, Phil, this is what I need you to be challenged by as you read this scripture. You know, I'm going to take a moment to pray before we do that together. And I'd invite you to pray with me and say, if, if you're in a position where you say, God, I want you to speak into my life as to what it means to follow you in a real way through this text. If you'd agree with me in that prayer, why don't you just join with me in prayer and just bow your head for a moment. 
Lord, I want to thank you that we can take this moment together as a church, that that as we uh, begin reading this scripture, thinking about what it says, Lord, I pray that, that now in this moment, your Holy Spirit would really come upon each one of us to read this scripture in a way that would bring transformation in our lives. Lord God, I pray that, that, that we would take hold of the challenges that we might find within it, Lord, and that we would apply it to our souls, Lord God. Jesus, I pray that, that each one of us here today might take a step towards becoming an authentic Christ follower as we think about what this passage might mean. And everybody said, Amen. And now here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through this list of qualities that Paul says, you know what, this is what set these guys apart as Christ followers. And because of that, I want to send them to you so they could bring blessing to who you are. Now, here's here's the great opening thought for us as Christ followers here today, that that wherever we go, we want to bring blessing in the name of Jesus. Who we are as a church, we exist together to bring blessing to the world around us in the name of Jesus. And what Paul's done in this text, he said, these are, the, these are the type of qualities and characteristics that you need to have as a church, as a person of Christ, if you're going to make a difference in the world. So let's begin reading. The first thing that Paul identifies is that a Christ follower is caring. A Christ follower is caring. He says this of Timothy, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. What an awesome statement to show genuine concern, authentic, not fake in any way, not self-seeking in any way, but genuine, authentic concern. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. What a powerful challenge for us as we wrestle with our own faith and what it means to follow Christ. That that Paul would say, here is something to strive for, to say that, that in my faith, am I showing genuine concern for people other than myself? Now, it's a difficult thing to do because so much of our lives and our, even our culture and our society is wired around helping us to think all about me and how my life could be better and what additional things I need to supplement my life to make it even more pleasant. There aren't too many things speaking into my life that say, Phil, how can you live your life to be a blessing to others? But that's what the Christ followers call to to take hold of who Jesus is and say, how might I bring Christ into my life so that I could be a blessing to others in His name? You know, one of the the things that that I was so, um, I guess, happy to hear about over the last week, there was a a group of people that met together, uh, that Lauren pulled together working with World Vision to to prepare some kits for for mums in different parts of the world that don't have access to medical care as they're having children. And and Lauren brought the little kit along, and you might have seen it on What's On, and you're thinking, oh, what's a birthing kit? That sounds unusual. And and really, all it is, it's a little little pack, no bigger bigger than this phone. And, And inside it, there was a... A, you know, a little plastic sheet that, that, that quite literally mothers would, would just give birth on. There was a little scalpel in there so the umbilical cord could be cut cleanly. Uh, a little piece of gauze so the baby's eyes could be wiped cleanly and, and so they wouldn't get infections. And it's amazing that this tiny little pack it rad- has a radical impact on, on the rate of, of infants surviving. And I saw that tiny little thing 
And then I thought about my own experience a few months ago, going to Joondalup Hospital and having all kinds of medical staff all around us, having a nice bed and a nice room and a surgeon to, to help through everything. And, and all of the things that my wife and child had access to was reduced to this tiny little bag. And I thought to myself, praise God for people in our church that would take time out to come together and pack those little things and invest of their time and their finances to say, you know what, I'm never going to meet the person that this life changes. I'm never going to meet the little baby that's born healthy because of this tiny little pack. But I don't care because I know it's going to save a life. And I look at that picture and I say, you know what, that is a picture of who we're called to be. You know, that group of people could have been done it, doing anything that night, watching TV, going out to the movies, having coffee. They said, no, here's an opportunity for me to show genuine concern. It's not about myself in any way. And I love that as a picture of what the church is. And then an incredible challenge to say, God, where is that in my life? Is that something I need to grow in? You know, the next thing Paul identifies through Timothy is that a Christ follower is consistent. A Christ follower is consistent. And he says this, You know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So here's what Paul identifies about Timothy. He says, This guy, day after day, week after week, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, he holds on to Jesus. No matter the challenges, he holds on to Jesus. No matter the difficulty of ministry in their context, Timothy, day after day, would hold on to Jesus. That he was consistent in the life that he lived as a follower of Christ. What, an, again, an incredible challenge for us today is people to say, Jesus, I want to live my life with you a part of it. How consistent are we in that? You know, there's, a, there's an old quote speaking, speaking into this idea. I actually don't know where it comes from. I remember it from a DC Talk song. Uh, and maybe someone can tell me where the quote actually originates from. But, but, it, but it says this, speaking, speaking of Christians, and some of you are familiar with the band, very influential in the late 90s. Um, it, it says this, that speaking of, of Christians of the church, when we accept Christ with our mouths, but deny Him in our actions... It leads an unbelieving world to conclude that our message is simply unbelievable. That when we profess Christ with our mouths but deny Him in our actions, an unbelieving world looks at that message and says Christianity is unbelievable. What a convicting thought for each one of us. And for me, I hear that and I see it. Don't you? You hear that word, it's not just a fun quote, you're like, you know what? I can see how that plays out in a, person's, in a person's heart and head as they're thinking about what it means to follow Christ. But when we're consistent in our message, when someone sees that on a Tuesday night you've gone out to, to pack birthing kits for a remote community somewhere else in the world, they see, you know what, there's something different about that person. When they see a consistency in your character that's built on Jesus, that's when an unbelieving world starts to take notice. When there's consistency day in and day out. And Paul says, you know what? This is why I'm going to send Timothy to you, church at Philippi, because you need to be encouraged and challenged by this character trait in your lives. 
The next one, and I love this, a Christ follower is cooperative. Uh, and Paul, speaking of Epaphroditus, he gives these three uh, wonderful relational metaphors of the, uh, speaking of Epaphroditus as my brother, my co-worker, and my fellow soldier. I love it, those powerful pictures. And, and I hear these words, and I think about how we live as a church, as we carry the gospel together as a church. And I think of those three metaphors, and I, and I think that, that as a church, as we hold the gospel, we've got to love each other like a family, don't we? We've got to love one another like a family. We've got to work together like a team, and we've got to fight together for the cause of Christ. Does anyone else hear that and think that is the kind of church that I want to be a part of, that loves fiercefully? Is that a word? It's not. I saw Lauren, I was like, no. It's quite, you know what I meant though? It's not, it's not a word, but, you know, the meaning translates. <laughs> but, but to love with passion, to always work together as a team, you say what? No matter what God is calling us together as a church, we do it together. Every single person matters. Every person has a part to play. And when the church does that, it becomes powerful for the cause of the gospel. And then to lock in our heels and say, you know what? No matter what comes no matter what comes against us, we will fight together for the gospel. We will fight together for the cause of Christ. No matter what shakes us, we'll fight for the name of Jesus. The next one, a Christ follower is considerate. And he says this again of Epaphroditus, for he longs, in verse 26, he longs for all of you, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. So, so hear what's happening here. So Epaphroditus is really concerned about this church community because he's worried that they're worried about him. You see what's happening here? He, he was really sick and he's worried that this church, they're up late at night, they're, they're worrying about Epaphroditus, they're praying for him, and he just wants to go back to let them know, don't worry, I'm okay. Now, here's a guy that is showing incredible consideration in a time where most of us would be completely self, self-focused, self like, I'm sick, oh, I'm not thinking about anything else but myself and how bad my life is right now. Uh, hopefully, that's not the attitude we all have when we're sick. But, but he says, you know what? I'm concerned about how they're going. I'm concerned about how they're feeling. And, and I, love, I love this thought of just, it's such a basic thing, isn't it? To be genuinely considerate of the people around us. You know, I really believe that, and I'm, I'm going to take a moment now just to speak into our families and into our marriages, because I believe that this is such a powerful thing. I, I, I'm blessed to spend a little bit of time with, with young engaged couples as they're approaching the, the special day where they get married, and then a little bit of time after them with, after that, after that ceremony with them as well. Sorry, a bit tongue, tongue twisted this morning. And, uh, and, and it's a wonderful opportunity to speak into those relationships. And the thing that I see time and time again that causes the most challenge for couples and for marriages is an inability to consider where the other person is coming from. An inability to be considerate. Because here's the reality. We all come into relationships with different backgrounds. We all come into relationships from from different family cultures, if you like, with different experiences, with different ways of handling conflict, with different approaches to communication. And then in a marriage, you have this wonderful opportunity to come together from those radically different places 
and find each other in the middle. And the way you find each other is by being considerate of where the other person is coming from. You know, it's a really important key word in this process. It's understanding. It's understanding. I have the desire to understand where my wife is coming from. Why she's approaching this conversation in this way, which is completely different to how I'd approach it. But then when I take the time to understand who she is and where she's coming from, I can then find her in the middle. And we can continue to have healthy conversation, even in areas of disagreement, because I understand who she is. Now, now what a great picture for the way we come together in relationships in general. So often we can be divided by things and issues that if we just took the time to say, you know what, where... Where is Michelle actually coming from? How has she come to this place? How can, I, how can I meet her in the middle with where I'm coming from rather than just trying to squash her? Say, no, where you're coming from doesn't matter. You're wrong. That's silly. What does that do to a relationship? And then as a church, as people that carry the gospel, how do we let this play out in our faith? As we're meeting people that haven't placed their faith in Jesus, how do we apply this same thing that I'm going to be considerate? I'm going, to, I'm going to approach this understanding who they are. I'm not going to compromise my faith and what I believe, but I want to meet someone in the middle. And can I tell you, the only time people are going to respond to the gospel is when we meet them in the middle. It's the only time it's ever going to happen. So are we considerate? Is this something we need to grow in today? And then the, the, final, the final thought that, that Paul leave, leaves us with, speaking of Epaphroditus, he says, a Christ follower is courageous. And then uh, in verse 30, he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. Now, now here's what actually happened, speaking of Epaphroditus. We get the sense that, that he's kind of helped out the church at Philippi and also Paul. What, what's happened is Paul's in prison, and the church at Philippi, they want to send a gift to Paul, like a, a love offering to support him and, and really help him out. Uh, but of course, in those days, they didn't have electric transfers. They didn't have checking accounts. They didn't have any of those things. So basically, if you wanted to, to send support to someone, you, you had to pack it in a bag and you had to walk it to them. And Epaphroditus took that job on. And he said, I'm going to carry this to Paul. I'm going to carry this offering, this blessing to Paul in his situation. And it turns out he was going to carry that about 1,200 kilometers. He was walking on a dirt path, goodness knows through what kind of wilderness, and he carried it all the way. Now, along the way, he got really sick. So sick, in fact, that Paul said he almost died doing what he believed Christ called him to do. He almost forfeited his life to say yes to what Jesus was calling him to do. Epaphroditus showed incredible courage for the sake of the gospel. He put his own security to the side for the sake of service to Jesus. He put his circumstance to the side and took up courage to say, I will live my life for the cause of Christ. And right now for me, the cause of Christ is to walk day after day after day after day to carry this blessing to the Apostle Paul. And he did it, and it almost killed him. 
And Paul says, this is what needs to define the Christ follower. Courage. Courage to be the person that Christ calls each one of us to be. Because who knows, it does take courage. It takes courage to live beyond ourselves. It takes courage to to think about these qualities in our life and say, I'm going to strive for it. It takes a sacrifice of self to say, God, help me to take these things in my life. Help me to put them on, to wear them, and to do that with courage. Courage.